So really a simple question to begin today. Uh, how many of you uh, took a shower this morning? Very glad to see every hand up right now. Glad, yeah. How many of you, after you took that shower, you, you're toweling off, you look in the mirror and you go, wow, I am looking fantastic. There's only a couple hands up here. That's the problem. Come on, ladies. How many of you, ladies, ladies this morning, how many of you said, you looked in the mirror and you were like, there's no need for makeup today. I look beautiful. All right, Sarah says she is. All right, very good. All right, so <laughs> how many of you guys ever look in the mirror and you say to yourself, this is as good as it gets, huh? Right? Right? Likewise, how many of you ever opened up a news app on your phone or you, you watch the news, uh, not too much, I hope, or you read the newspaper and you've said, you know what? The world is as it should be. There's no war, no hunger, no, no crime. It's, it's just the way it should be. There's peace on earth. Anybody? Yeah. So let's make it a little more personal. How many of you have ever said, you know, I'm not sure I'm really happy with the direction of my life? How many of you have ever said that? I want to start off by telling you about a guy named Wendell Potter. Wendell Potter was unhappy with the direction of his life. You don't know him, but you should know about him. He is a former executive of a major health insurance company, multi-billion dollar company, a company called Cigna. Anyone here heard of Cigna? Yeah. Yeah, multi-billion dollar health care provider. He made a public confession recently of how he had been paid for years by insurance companies to spread disinformation about the Canadian health care system in contrast with the American health care system. Because we, I know that if I was to survey you right now, everyone in this room would say, the American healthcare system is awesome. <laughs> he was paid to lie. He knew it was a lie. And when the money was good, he lied. Until it hit close to home. He went back to visit his father, who lives in a rural part of Tennessee, his father was having some health struggles. His father was having some problems getting to see a doctor. And they were having a, a free health care clinic in this rural little town in East Tennessee. And he went back there, and he saw people who camped in a car and, and slept in a car for two days to see a doctor. And he saw long lines. And he realized that the American health care system is completely broken. So he got in his car and started to cry. And he looked in his rearview mirror and he did not like who he saw because he realized he had perpetuated this lie. So he sent out a series of six tweets. I'm going to read you just the first one. Amid America's COVID-19 disaster, I must come clean about a lie I spread as a health insurance exec. We spent big money to push the idea that Canada's single-payer system was awful and the U.S. system was much better. It was a lie, and the nation's COVID responses prove it. You can imagine if you send a tweet out like this, what your employer thinks of this. He was no longer working for them after the series of tweets. He left his high-paying, comfortable job with one of the most powerful insurance companies in the nation, and he wrote a book about the lies he supported in his former employee. And the book is 
very interesting. It's called Deadly Spin, and an insurance company insider speaks out about how corporate PR is killing healthcare and deceiving Americans. And when I read this book, and when I looked at this book, it became sort of an idea for this next series that we're going to enter into. And I just want to ask this question. How many of you have ever wanted to change the world? Yeah, I hope your hand's up. We should want to change the world. Because I believe, if we're really honest, everybody at one time has looked in the mirror, seen your reflection, and said, that's not who I am. That's not who I am. Today, we're starting this series, If You Want to Change the World. And the first step is to look in the mirror and be honest and say, am I becoming right? Am I becoming the picture that God had in mind when God formed me, when God created me, right? In my mother's womb, Scripture says, when God thought of you, and he thought of you before the beginning of time, Ephesians 1.4 says that, am I becoming whom God envisioned? And here's what I want to challenge you, because until you change your heart and your mind, you'll never change the world. You'll never change the world. So the first thing I want to say about this is oftentimes, most people believe it's easy to stay mediocre than to actually change. It's easier to stay mediocre than to confront reality and change things. It's not that most people wake up and say, hey, today's going to suck. I don't think people say that. Maybe they do. Most people have tried to evolve. They've tried to make some changes, right? They tried the diet. They tried to go do things differently, but then they fail. And what do they do? They settle back for mediocrity. Believe me, if you want to see people trying to change reality, go over to the athletic club right now. <laughs> because I have noticed in the month of January, it is packed. I'm struggling to get elliptical. I'm like, hey, where, where did all these people come from? The trainer comes up to me, don't worry, by February, it'll be sparse again. <laughs> so they tried improving. It didn't go as they planned. So they give up and they said, I'm going to be mediocre. And we think it's easier to stay mediocre than to advance. I love what Les Brown says. Les Brown says, most people knock on the door of their dreams once, then run away before anyone has a chance to open the door. But if you keep knocking persistently and endlessly, eventually the door will open. Now, this sounds an awful lot like Jesus who said what? Knock, 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 and the door shall be open. He said keep knocking. He didn't say how many times. But here's a secret that among people stewing among mediocrity that don't realize, it's actually harder to live in mediocrity than to strive towards greatness. Waking up every day knowing that today's just going to be another average day and you're going to be average at best is exhausting. It's depressing. It sucks all the energy out of your life, all right? It may seem easier to say simply where you are. It's not great, but it's mediocre. But why rock the boat, right? Wrong. Remaining in mediocrity is is just as exhausting as working towards success. They, they both take energy. You're going to work anyway, so you might as well get what God wants for your life. Hello? Hello? If you keep on living the way you are now, you'll keep producing the results that you've had in your life. All right. Someone can say amen. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to start this series, and this is going to be a powerful series, I believe. I think it could change your life if you take it seriously. And we're going to look over the next few weeks about a very important part of your walk in faith that most Christians don't really look at, and we're going to look at your mindset. We're going to look at your thoughts, because if you want to upgrade your life, it starts right here with upgrading your mind. Somebody get excited. 
the more I've studied scripture, the more I've studied neuroscience and cognitive psychology, and that's my background, most of your battles in life are won or lost before they even played out in life right here in your mind. The good news, who's ready for some good news? Are you ready for some good news? Yes? Yeah, the good news is God's word is powerful, not just to inform you, but to actually transform your life by transforming and renewing your mind. So to do that, to honor God's word, I'm going to ask everybody that's in the uh, sanctuary today uh, to stand right now to honor, because we're going to read God's word. And if you're at home, I'm going to ask you to stand too. I'll never know, but just go ahead and stand. (laughs) We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 10. And this is just a way of honoring God's word, waking you up a little bit. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the mind of Apostle Paul. I don't know if you ever heard of the, the show Ultimate Warrior. You ever heard of Ultimate Warrior, right? Paul is the ultimate thought warrior. And if you study Paul's life, you'll notice he goes through a progression. He goes from committing his life to Jesus, but he says things like this, and you've said it too. Man, the things I really want to do, I don't seem to be able to do them. And the things I don't want to do, I seem to do those. And that's early on in his walk. And you can watch him and his ministry begin to change because he starts to change his thought life. And he starts to capture wrong thoughts, and he makes them captive to Christ, and he changes the way he lives. So the Apostle Paul says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not, what's it say? The weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Now, the Greek word that's translated power here is dunamis, and it means God's miraculous power to transform things. It's where we get the word dynamite from, okay? He says, the weapons that we fight with, they have divine power to what? To do do what? To demolish and to destroy strongholds. Now, when's the last time you used the word stronghold? Last week, anybody here? Anybody? You don't use the word stronghold a lot. What is a lot? It's a com- what is stronghold? It comes from the Greek word. Uh, it, it is okroma, and it means a military stronghold. And it was like basically a fortress that they built inside the middle of a city. And the fortress would be surrounded by a wall that literally could be 20 feet deep in the ground, so you couldn't tunnel underneath it, 20 feet high. And it's where they kept military officials in the middle of a battle to keep them safe, or they kept prisoners in there to keep them safe. But here's what Paul is saying. The devil, the great deceiver, our spiritual enemy, right, wants to attack your mind. And he wants to create strongholds of deception. So you believe something that's untrue, and it takes away from God's calling and God's healing and what God's plan is for your life. Because what does the devil do? The devil tries to shape your thinking one lie at a time until you're a prisoner of deception. And I'm going to unpack that today. And what does the devil tell you? He says things like this. You can't trust people. You'll never succeed. You're always going to be broke. You're never going to have a good marriage. God doesn't hear your prayers. God doesn't care about you. You're never going to make a difference. You're not going to amount to anything. So how do we do this battle in our mind? Well, the Scripture tells us. Paul says, look what he says, that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And what do we do? With God's help, Paul says, we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to who? To Christ. So here's the passage. 
We're going to read it all together. You're going to read it. You're going to go home tomorrow and, and, and at work, and you're going to say, you know what? I was a scripture reader at church. We're going to read scripture together, all right? Here we go. Let's read it all together. Here's the whole passage. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought, making it obedient to Christ. Would you pray with me real quick? Father, we ask that by the power of your living word, you would renew our minds with truth. Set us free, God, from believing the lies that rob us of things like joy and peace in your calling. And God, may your truth set us free. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Look at somebody right now and give them a high five and say, get your mind right. Go ahead and do that. Go ahead. Get your mind right. All right, you can sit down now. You can sit down. Get your mind right. If you're, in the, if you're chatting online, type in the chat, get your mind right. Go ahead and do that. Let me know you're with me. Now, look, I've studied scripture, and I've studied science, and I've studied psychology, and here's what I've discovered. And this is a take-home truth, so I hope you're awake. Are you awake? Yes? Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What comes into your mind tends to go out into your life. If you have a negative mind, it is impossible to have a positive life when your mind is consumed with negative thoughts. Again, done lots of research on cognitive behavior psychology. It is what I have a degree in. It shows that there are a lot of problems, and I've been reading about this, there are a lot of problems in this world are actually related to your mind. Relationship challenges, eating disorders, many forms of addiction, many forms of anxiety. Now, not all anxiety, but a lot of anxiety is actually a direct result of toxic thinking. Do you know that the, what, the third most prescribed drug in America is? The third most prescribed drug by doctors in America, it is anti-anxiety. But it's directly related to the way we think. And that's what science says. And, of course, God invented science, right? We don't need to be in conflict with science. God said science is a good idea, right? Proverbs 23.7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So he is. What do we know? What you think is what you become. That the life we have is so often the reflection of the thoughts that we are thinking. What we think determines what we become. In other words, if you tend to be a person who says, you know what, I'm never going to be able to do anything. I just don't have what it takes. Uh, if you think you can't, you can't. But Conversely, if you say, you know what, through the power of God, right, through the power of God, I'm going to find solutions. Through the power of God, I'm going to not, not going to dwell on my problems, but I'm going to look for solutions, then you will find solutions. If you always feel like a victim, guess what? You're likely to become a victim. If instead you believe you can overcome by the power of Christ within you, you can overcome. In so many cases, the life we have is a reflection of the thoughts we think. And what I want to do today to start this series is I want us to stop and think about what we normally think about. 
we're going to pause, and we're just going to go through our minds, and we're going to do what I would call a thought audit. Have you ever audited your thoughts? Most of you don't, and that's the problem. We're going to audit our thoughts, and I'm going to give you three different categories to think about and determine where you actually fall on the list. The first scale I want to look at is let's contrast your mindset. Are you typically characterized by worried thoughts, panic, anxiety, fear, or would you say your thoughts are typically characterized by being full of God's peace? Which one? Don't say it out loud. Do you tend to wake up and have a mind that drifts towards fear? Do you tend to wake up and go, oh my gosh, there's so much that could go wrong today? How many of you woke up today and said, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to go to church. It's always such a long sermon. We got one honest person in the back. Oh, I'm worried about my health. I'm worried. I'm worried about the economy. I'm worried about inflation. I'm worried about the state of the world. I'm worried about our president. I'm worried about the direction our country's heading. Or are you typified and characterized by, hey, God is with me today. God's going to help me today. God has promised that there's going to be peace in my life today, and God's going to give me peace that's going to surpass any understanding, and I'm going to sense that God is with me, and I'm going to look for God today, and I'm going to look for good things today, and I'm going to look for things even when things aren't going my way. What would you say if you're auditing your thoughts, are you characterized more by worry or peaceful thoughts? A second category would be, do your thoughts tend to drift toward the negative or do they tend to drift toward the positive? Do you wake up and find yourself thinking negative thoughts about people in your life? Are you assuming the worst instead of believing the best? Do you look at your day and say, oh, it's going to be hard, it's going to be bad, it's going to be tough, I'm going to be so busy, I'm going to be overwhelmed, there's just not enough of me to go around, and the world's going to hell in a handbasket? Or do you wake up with positive faith? And again, even if things are difficult, you say things like, you know what, Christ is with me. And Christ helps me overcome. And, you know, things may be difficult in this world, but I'm thankful for God who's always working in all things, right, to bring good who, who are called according to his purpose. What would typify your thoughts? We're doing a thought audit here. Third category. When it comes to what you think about, are your thoughts generally towards more worldly things, right, just temporary things, or do they drift towards that which lasts forever? For instance, the first thing most of you do during the day when you wake up in the morning is you grab your phone. So are your thoughts worldly or eternal? Or are you asking things like, gosh, what am I going to wear today? What am I going to post today on Instagram? Who liked my Facebook post? How many followers do I have? What does everybody think about me? Or do they drift toward eternal? Do you wake up and say, you know what, God has given me breath and my lungs, the beat of my heart, and talents and gifts, and I get to make a difference. I'm in this moment in space and time and history for a reason, and God has put me here, and boy, I better start investing what I've been given to make a difference in the lives of people around me so that when everything else burns away, that's what will be standing, your relationship with God and with others. What do your thoughts drift towards, worldly or eternal? What would you say characterizes your thoughts? Because what we think about 
matters much more than we even imagine. What comes into your mind goes out into your life. No matter what you do, what you have, where, what you buy, where you live, where you travel, again, you cannot have a positive life if you have a negative mind. Why? Because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Now, when I say that, right, some of you are like, oh, no, because if your life is moving always in the direction of your strongest thoughts, how many of you are excited about the direction of your life? So ask yourself, am I excited about my strongest thoughts? Are they worry and fear? Are they peace? What are they? I asked myself that question last year. I started working on this series in December, and I asked myself, do I like my thought life? Do I like the strongest direction of my life right now? And the answer was no, and I'll tell you why. I didn't like it because of a certain four-letter word. Oh, it's four letters for sure. And I'll tell you the word, and you know the word, and it's actually a dirty word. COVID. COVID, 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 COVID. It's COVID. It's COVID. Why can't you be there? COVID. I can't go to church, Pastor. COVID. I see you at H-E-B. Well, that's different. I see you at the movies, Alamo Theater. Well, I don't get COVID at the Alamo Theater. COVID. State comes in. We've got to shut the school down just essential workers, kids. You got 200 kids. Now you only have 60. COVID. And I have church 10 weeks. COVID. And then I got sick from COVID. I didn't need a test. This cracks me up. I need a test. I, when you have COVID, you don't need a test. I knew I was sick, right? I knew uh, nausea, vomiting, other things I won't even mention because it leads your thoughts toward disaster, <laughs> COVID. And here's how my thoughts played out as I'm laying in bed with COVID. And Renee's like trying to stay away from me because she doesn't want COVID. So she would roll a Sprite into the room. <laughs> That's true love right there. I'll roll a Sprite in the room for you. <laughs> I would have to catch it. I'm like nauseated, falling out of bed. <laughs> this is what I thought. I'm going to die. I'm going to be dead. And I saw the tombstone on my head. There, there it is. Bishop of Yorktown, there it is. <laughs> you could humor me. You could do it. And there I was, laying dead, and Renee's hugging the tombstone for a while. But then, no, I thought, no, this is what I thought. I played it out. Wait a minute. I am worth so much more dead than alive. <laughs> I've got a good life insurance policy. Trust me. I don't even take drinks from Renee, okay? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that good. She'll be a multi-millionaire if I was to die. Do not collect a fund for my funeral, okay? Don't, don't have a barbecue in my name or nothing like that. Renee will be fine. In my mind, that's what I'm picturing. She ain't going to work no more. I'm dead. I'm over at Seaside. She ain't going to work. But she don't like to take care of the pool. So this is what I'm picturing. 25-year-old pool boy. They fall in love. Renee's eating bonbons, she's rich, she's to the pool boy, and I'm dead. 
this is where my strongest thoughts were taking me. Is this a direction I want to go? Does anyone else do this? It's like worst case scenario, right? I feel a little sniffle, COVID, you're going to die. So in my quest for peace, I talked about this last week, I, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, my, my quest this year is peace. My number one spiritual priority was peace, and so I've been on a mission, and God's Word has been helping me. God helped me to renew my mind, to replace the lies that happened in my mind with your spiritual truth. So over the next few weeks, we're going to go on a journey, and we're going to look at the Apostle Paul, and we're going to ask God to renew our minds with truth. And today, we're going to lay a foundation, and we're going to build upon this in the weeks to come, because... We can win the war in our mind, and if we, can win, if we can change our thinking, we can change our life. So are you ready? Somebody say, I'm ready. ready. Type that in the chat if you're at home and you're ready. All right, so a couple of foundation thoughts I'm going to give you. For the first one is this. I want you to identify the biggest stronghold, the biggest thought in your life that's holding you back. Remember, stronghold means that you're a prisoner locked by a lie. What's the biggest mental stronghold holding you back? You might think over and over and over again, I'm not good enough. Or my past is too bad for God to ever use me. Or I can't trust the people around me. Or I'm always going to battle with my weight. Or I'm never going to be good with money. Or I'm never going to be close to God. Or I'll never be in a job that's really fulfilling. Or all my relationships are going to be broken and broken down. And, and I only date psychos, whatever it is. If you find yourself identifying your negative thoughts, what I want you to do is embrace the reality that I am thinking negative thoughts too much. And, and here's why it's important. Your negative thoughts are changing the chemical makeup of your brain. I have read some fascinating books recently about brain and neuroscience, thought life, and I'm going to be sharing those throughout this series. The reason is because every thought you have creates a neurochemical change in your body. This is true. When you think a positive thought, you have a surge of neurotransmitters that release a very legal and very exciting drug, dopamine. It's legal and it's powerful and your body produces it. And anytime your brain drops some dopamine, you get a buzz, you get a thrill. You're like, yeah. Someone you like, someone you like, comments on your Facebook or your Instagram post, and what happens? You see it, and your brain goes, dopamine. <laughs> Someone goes up to you and goes, oh, wow, man, your hair looks amazing. You look good, girl. Dopamine. <laughs> Renee, this last week, sends me a text. Daddy, Daddy, the kids are gone. I got the candles lit. Come home early. Dopamine. <laughs> Sorry, I got to go. Important meeting. Got to go. What's so interesting is more often you think a thought, science tells us this, it's easier to think that thought again. Once you think a thought, you're creating neural pathways in your brain. And literally, we have a billions and billions of neural pathways in our brain. And the more often we think that thought, the more that connection is there, it's easier to think that thought again. And before long, 
whatever we've been thinking, we tend to become. So our default thought, right, our stronghold, right, what happens is the devil whispers in your ear long enough, you start to believe that lie, it starts to become a stronghold, and you start to be impacted as if that lie were true, and you get stuck in a rut. If you tell a lie to yourself over and over again, your body and you start to think it's true. Are you awake? Somebody say awake. Because this is the take-home. I really want you to hear this. Imagine, imagine if every day, imagine this is the front, that my front yard, and I've got beautiful St. Augustine grass, and every day I walk on the same path. I just keep, I just keep walking every day. I just walk. There's lots of grass all around, but I just choose this. I'm just going to walk on this one path. And, and what happens to that grass if I keep walking on that same patch of grass, it dies and it becomes, I've given you the word, what does it become? It becomes a, a path. If in my mind for 100 days straight, I think on a lie, then I will start to believe the lie and I create a neural pathway in my brain. So what are we going to do? With God's help, we're going to renew our mind. We're going to stay off that old path. Because if I say, you know what, I'm not going to walk on that path, and I'm going to walk on this one, and then I'm going to walk on this one, what happens to the grass over here on the old path? Guess what happens? It starts to come back. And it starts to be harder and harder to go back to have that trail. And it starts to be harder and harder to have that thought, that negative thought that used to keep me. Are you there with me? All right? So I forge a new pathway in my brain. And ultimately, the truth does what? It sets me free. And that's science, and God's into science because God created science. Romans 12, 2, Paul says it this way, do not be conformed to the patterns or pathways of the world. We could say it this way, don't be conformed to the wrong ways of thinking, but be transformed. And Paul says, how do you do that? By the renewing of your mind. So we're staying off the negative, destructive pathways, and we're creating new pathways of truth. It may play out like this way. Maybe you have a frustrating day at work, and you're mad. And so when you're mad, you go on that old pathway, and you go inside your house. And when you're mad about the way your day went, you just take it inside your house, and, and you kick the dog and the cat and everything else, and then you yell at your spouse, and then you're back on that pathway, and you wonder why you have a miserable marriage because you just keep following down that path. But what if you said, you know what, I'm not going to walk that path. What if today I'm going to say, you know what, I had a, a crazy busy day, but I'm going to count to three or 110 or whatever, and I'm going to walk a new path, and I'm going to go in, and I'm going to ask my spouse, hey, how was your day? And I'm sorry you had a bad day. Let me have a hug. Let me, let me give you a kiss. Let's start the day over again. And now all of a sudden we're walking a new pathway. Are you with me? Hello? Or you feel bad about yourself. You feel bad. Oh, I feel bad about myself. I'm a terrible person. I'm never going to mount anything. And so what do you do? You go on that old path, and that pathway leads you right to the freezer. And there at the freezer, you find you another canister of Blue Bell ice cream. And you eat it all because it tastes good going down. But then an hour later, you're miserable because you're like, I just ate that whole thing of Blue Bell. But you know what? Tomorrow and the next day, you get on the same path. And there you go right towards the Blue Bell. We're going to create a new path. Instead of walking to the freezer, we're going to go outside, and we're going to get some exercise, and we're going to take a little walk. We're going to walk our dog. And when you exercise, guess what you get? Dopamine. 
and adrenaline and you feel good about yourself and all of a sudden you're creating a new path. This is why you feel good when you're at the gym working out. You didn't feel good before the workout, but you're feeling good while you're working out because guess what's happening? <gasps> Dopamine. And when you're bored, when you're bored, and I know you do this, right? Uh, 4.5 hours a day, people are on their phone and you're scrolling through your phone. And you hate them. You're walking down the path of hate. I hate all these people. Look at all their highlights. Their life is so exciting. Look at them in Vegas having a great time. I'm going to work tomorrow. Why am I not there? And you feel like a loser. Well, so what do you do? You might, you might take a new path. You might open up your phone and you go, you know what? I'm going to read some scripture on my phone. I'm going to go to YouVersion Bible app and I'm going to read some scripture. And what are you doing? You're putting something new in your mind. You're renewing your mind. And we forge a new path in our brain because the more you walk that path, the easier it becomes to travel the new path. And the more you stay off the old path, the more it weakens. And it's harder to think those same thoughts again. Are you with me? So here's your assignment. Identify the biggest stronghold that's holding you back. Just one. I'm not going to attack all 73. Just one. We're going to start with one. What is it for you? You might battle and identify with, and you might say, you know what? Because I've heard all these things in counseling. I don't feel like I'm lovable. Or you might wrongly believe because you've told yourself a thousand times, I'll never be good enough. And people say these things. They say them in, indirectly. They say them. Or I don't deserve anything good. Or I'll always be broke. Or I'm helpless. Or I'm worthless. And life is pointless. So let me go get some anti-anxiety medicine. To identify that one stronghold, name it. Because you cannot defeat what you don't define. Identify the biggest stronghold. And I'm going to ask you to write it down. Go home and write it down. And then the second part of the assignment is this. Name the biblical truth. Name the truth from God that demolishes that stronghold. That demolishes it. Because why does truth matter? And Jesus said this in John 8, 32. You'll know the truth. And guess what? The truth will do what? It will set you free. Right? Because the lie the lie puts you in bondage. The lie puts you in a stronghold. You're trapped. And some of you are living a life that's based on a lie. But you could know the truth, and you'll know the truth, and it will set you free. I just can't be happy without alcohol. That's a lie. But people believe it. And they go to the grave. And I've done their funeral services where they drank themselves into the grave. I just can't be happy without it. Well, that's a lie. Let me give you a crazy illustration. This is kind of a funny illustration, and, and Renee told me not to share it, but that makes it even more fun. <laughs> when I was at my California church, I had a crazy youth director who was this great guy. He, was, he became one of my best friends. His name was James Arnold. And James and I used to play workplace games. Does anyone else here play workplace games? I'm the only one playing workplace games. Okay. If you're at home and you play workplace games, please put I play them. All right? So I'll know. All right. It was called Capture the Flag. Have you ever played Capture the Flag? Have you ever played it in an office setting? Totally different rules. I have a flag. He has a flag. The person who has the other person's flag at the end of the week, the other person owes him 20 bucks. That's how we played. Now, I'm very competitive. I was raised by a phrase my dad definitely put on the neural pathway in my brain, and that was 
show me a good loser, and I'll show you a loser. (laughs) I don't like to lose. Hyper-competitive. My whole family is that way. Christmas time is like, who got the best gift for somebody else? It's competitive. So, James and I had some rules about capturing the flag. You could not capture the other person's flag out of their office area before 8 a.m. Because it wasn't fair, because we didn't come to work till 8 a.m. So, I come to my office one day, it's 7.45 in the morning, and my spidey senses are tingling. Something's amiss. I just sense like somebody's in my office, hiding. You remember the Pink Panther? Remember when he would come home and he had that ninja guy that would always hide like in the fridge and stuff? It was like that. So I started looking around. I opened up my closet door and there's James hiding. He'd been there since like four in the morning (laughs) trying to capture my flag. So I'm like, oh. I slammed the door shut. With God as my witness, I put put a chair up underneath the door and I go, you're going to be locked in here all day as long, saith the Lord. Because you reap what you sow, and there are spiritual consequences, and God brings you justice. And I lied to him, and I'm confessing my sin to you. I said, James, you're locked in that closet. It was not true. The chair did not fit. He could have opened the door at any time. But you know what he did? And I told him, I said, you're going to spend the day in the closet now because you, you messed up in this capture of the flag. And with God as my witness, he never tried to open the door. He just started whining. That's not fair. I said, we don't have any rules to cover this in office games. You're stuck. Meanwhile, I have a couple coming in for counseling. It's 7.55, and my secretary ushers them in my office. Here they go. She has no idea of the games that we're playing inside the office. And here they come. They sit on my couch. James is in the closet. (laughs) They have no idea he's in there. He hears them begin to talk to me. He realizes what's going on. I'm going to let it play out. I mean, what am I going to do? Hold on, let me get the youth director out of my closet. I mean, how do you do that? In a way that looks pastoral. It's just not going to happen. So we start, it's just, it was, it was just about a wedding. So it was basic stuff. It wasn't anything crazy or personal. So we're doing some counseling. And about 10 minutes later... I hear this creeping in the ceiling tiles above me. <laughs> and they're like, do you have rats? What's going on? I'm like, yeah, I don't know what that is. But this is a terrible story. But the reason I say that, this is a terrible story. James believed the door was locked. It was not locked. He believed a lie. And he let it influence his behavior. If you believe lies about yourself, it will influence your behavior. He could have opened up the door and said, surprise. There's an old story that illustrates this. And it's really true because some of you right now, let me say it this way. Some of you right now do not have what God wants you to have. And you're not living the life that God wants you to live because you are stuck behind an unlocked door. The door is unlocked. And Jesus has unlocked it. I'll give you an old story that illustrates this. And I've told the story before, so forgive me, but it's just perfect. There's, it's, it's, a, it's a legendary story. There was an old general, and he fought battles, and he captured prisoners of war. 
And he would say to the prisoners of war, he was brutal. He would say to them, okay, you got two choices, death by firing squad, or you can choose death and you go through the black door, the black door. And every time he asked a prisoner, they'd say, well, you know, death by firing squad, that's pretty quick. So one day he says this to a prisoner of war, and the prisoner of war says, death by firing squad. So they line him up, he puts on the blindfold, he orders fire, they kill the man. There's a young colonel there with the general, and he says, you know, general, I've been wondering all these, all these days, all these weeks, all these months, what is behind the black door? Because everyone always chooses, everyone always chooses this, this firing squad. What's behind the black door? And the general says, nothing. Freedom, it's an unlocked door. But nobody ever chooses that. They always choose the devil they know, not the one they don't. You'll know the truth, and the truth has set you free. And Scripture says this, and the Apostle Paul says, whatever the stronghold is that's holding you prisoner in your mind, that you think you're behind a locked door, what do we do? This is what Paul says. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here's what we do. We take captive. We're not prisoner to our thoughts. We take captive. We make our thoughts captive to Christ. You're not always responsible for the first thought that comes in your head, but you are responsible for thought number two and number three and number four and everyone after that. We take captive. What does this mean in the Greek? The Greek term is fascinating when you look this up in the Greek. It actually means a sword or a spear. And I love this. When you talk about the weapons of faith, right? There's all these weapons of the world. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 6, right? There's spiritual armor. What do we have? We have the helmet of salvation. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We have the belt of truth. And we have the shield of faith. Those are all defensive weapons. But the one offensive weapon that Paul says we have, it is the word of God. It is the sword of the spirit. It is a word of God that sets you free. It's a powerful living word of God that is sharper than any double-edged sword and it cuts away the lies of the truth and it cuts away the lies of the enemy. This is why we have to preach the word of God every week because we take to God's word, we make them captive to the lies that have held us hostage. So what's your stronghold? What's the dominant lie that the spiritual enemy has tried to use to destroy your faith? kill your relationships, and rob you of the intimacy that God wants you to have with God? What's your stronghold? Write it down. Mine, I'll just be, I'll be transparent with you. I'll be totally personal with you. The one that I've been attacking God's word with that's haunted me since I'm a little kid, and you may not even believe this about me, and it's okay because I put up a good front, but I've always believed that I'm never enough. I'm just not enough. I'll never preach a good enough sermon. Why do you think they're so long? <laughs> I keep trying. I keep trying. I'm being serious. I'll never be good enough to lead a church. If I give my best to the church, I'm probably going to not have enough energy for Renee and the kids. I can't live up to expectations. I fail people every week. I can't meet with everybody. I can't deliver and I'm not enough. And the challenge, right, with, with my lie and with your lie, is there some truth to it? I mean, there's some truth that makes it easy to believe, right? Because of my sinfulness, because of my limitations, there's a lot of me that will never be enough. But thankfully, I don't have to rely on what's inside of me. 
There's a power that's greater than me that's absolutely and completely more than enough. And his name is Jesus, if you invite him into your heart and your life. 2 Peter 1.3, right? So what I do is I, I take that stronghold, I'm never enough, and then I take God's word, which is a sword, and I say I need to demolish the stronghold. And God's word says in 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. I'm going to personalize it. God's divine power has given me everything I need to do. He's given me the time that, you know, so that I can do what he's called me to do. He's given me the strength so that I can do what he's called me to do. When I'm weak, God's strength is made perfect in me. I get, you've got to think about this. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the, the word of God says, it can live in you. You can have that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It can live in your life. You don't believe it. Or you'd be living a different life. His living word does work that I cannot do. His power is there for me when I, when I can't forgive, God's help enables me to forgive. When I can't really love people that hurt me, God's power enables me to love. When I can't stop drinking, God's power helps me to stop drinking. Hello? He's given me everything I need for life and godliness. People sometimes say to me, that they, I love this when they say to me, well, you don't act like a pastor. You know what I say that? I don't think God needs any more actors. <laughs> he just needs real people. I don't want to act like a pastor. Let me put on my act. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What's the driving lie that's holding you back? And what's the truth that will set you free? Maybe you think, I can never get it done. I won't get it all done. And here's what the truth says. Here's what the God's Word says. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. When I'm weak, he makes me strong. Maybe you feel like, oh, I'm never going to be attractive enough. I'm never going to be beautiful enough. No, no, no. God's word says you are fearfully and wonderfully made by the grace of God. He's given you gifts to make a difference in this world. Maybe you feel like I'm always going to be miserable. I'm always going to be depressed. Well, if you think that, that's probably true. But know this, the scripture says the joy of the Lord is your strength. The moment the lie tells you you're always going to be alone. You're always going to be alone. I hear this from single people. I'm always going to be alone. No, 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 no. Here's what God's Word says. My God is with me. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. Oh, you're nothing but a victim. No, no, no. You don't have to be a victim. God's Word says I can be an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of my testimony. I am not who others say I am. I am not who you think I am. I am who God says I am. You are who God says you are. But some of you are too busy scrolling through social media and you're not reading the word of God and you're wondering why you're trapped in a stronghold. Because you're walking the same path and it leads to the same results and the same life. And so Jesus comes along and says, hey, there's another way and the truth this can set you free. And there's some of you, that perhaps the biggest lie that's distorting so many Americans today is their distorted view of God. People have a distorted view of God. God's angry with me. God's mad at me. He could never love me after what I've done. I'm used up goods. I've been too bad. Oh, pastor, I can't go to church. You don't know about me. So let me try to replace those lies. Let me give you some word of God. 
Our God is a loving Heavenly Father, and He loves you more than you can ever imagine. And if you're lost, He's out searching for you. And even if you've done some really shameful things, there's nothing you can do that would make God love you any less. And even if you're living a perfect life, there's nothing you can do to make God love you any more. He simply loves you. God's love is like a campfire. You ever sat by a campfire? You ever notice this about campfires? It warms everyone around it. God doesn't discriminate. God doesn't go, oh, that person's dumb. I'm not going to warm them. Oh, that person's gay. I'm not going to warm them. No, 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 no. God's love warms everyone. God's love doesn't discriminate. A fire doesn't discriminate. It just warms everyone. And he loves you so much that he became like you in the person of his son, Jesus. And who's Jesus? Jesus is the son of God. Jesus was perfect in every way. And Jesus said, hey, look, I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. And, and if you look at Jesus, you'll see, you'll see Jesus was always around sinners. And he loved them. And he gave his life for them. And then God raised him from the dead. And God said, you can have that power in your life if you want it or not. Or you can keep living in this stronghold. That's how much God loves you. That's how much, no matter what you've done, he loves you, and he wants you to know that love. And some of you felt distant from God, and today is the day when you say, you know what, I'm going to create a new pathway, and it's going to be directly through God. It's going to be through a prayer that opens up the heavens and gives you access and a relationship to God. And it's getting off that old sinful path, and we're going to turn toward Jesus, and we're going to surrender our life to him. And when you do, God will hear this prayer, and he'll forgive every sin you've ever done, and he's going to open up the heavens. And that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. It's going to be an amazing series. I hope you'll join me for it because if you want to change the world, you have to change your mind. Are you with me? Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. It comes in your mind, comes in your life. You cannot have a positive, faithful life if you have a negative, fear-filled mind. So we're going to capture those lies. We're going to name the biggest stronghold. What is it? I'm going to write it down. And I'm going to, then I'm going to demolish it with truth. And by the power of God, I'm not going to stay locked in a prison. I'm not going to stay locked in a closet where the door is not really locked. I'm not going to climb up in the ceiling. So let's pray. Father, today we ask by the power of your word, you renew our minds with truth. Father, I pray right now that you'd begin a work of renewing our minds. God, in the same way that it may take years and years to have a lie ingrained in our neural pathways, we recognize it may take some time for you to renew our minds. It's not instant. It's walking a path. It takes time. God, give us the faith to walk this journey with you, to stay off the old paths of lies and destruction. And God, help us to walk in a new path, in a new direction of truth. Renew our minds, God. Change our thinking so that we might change our lives and then change the world. We pray this in the name of Christ who taught us as we say now together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth and in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For in his kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.